Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Maybe you haven't been with us for a few weeks, but we are in the middle of a series of the Holy Spirit called More. Just simply, there's more. There's more. How many ever watch one of those commercials where you get this product advertised and they always say at the end, but wait, there's more. And you get all excited and then you think the deal couldn't get any gooder. And then what do they say? But wait, there's more. And they just keep saying, but wait, there's more. And I love that because listen, if there's something that I could just say very quickly, very briefly, no matter where you are in this journey of life, no matter where you are in your walk of faith, there's more. You could be saved for a year. There's more. You can be saved for 10 years. There's more. You can be saved for 30 years. There's more. There's more. Growing up in a church my entire life, you all know my story, my testimony, in case you don't. I was brought up in the church, born on the second row on a Wednesday night, led prayer when I came out. No, I didn't. Okay, so really, no, it was a joke. But, but we were in church eight days a week in those days and sometimes twice a day. I said that right. You heard me. That was our life. We were brought up, and, and, and I thank God for that heritage. But let me tell you, the temptation of that can be you get to a, pl- pl- a place, point, that you have kind of heard it all. You've kind of seen it all. You, so you may think. Let me just speak to that just for a moment let you know there's more. There's more. We're going to talk about that this morning. Let me just throw this out there. I love to give book recommendations because, unfortunately, we only have 30, 40, 60, 75 minutes on a Sunday morning to preach the Word of God. Um, it, you can't always get your point across. You can't always get what needs to be said across. And so let me just, if, if you're new to this whole concept of the Holy Spirit, maybe you were uh, uh, taught uh, before, it, it's, not, it's not for you, not for today, it's not of God, stay away. Or maybe you were brought up in a church that believed in it, but, but just wasn't sound biblical teaching, and you're just kind of, you've pulled back, you've withdrawn, maybe confused. Let me recommend this book to you. It's called The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. And I've, I've, there's several books of the Holy Spirit that I've read over the years, and they're all for different uh, applications. This one, in my opinion, is the first book I would give somebody that said, okay, I, I'm a new to the Lord, and I've heard of this Holy Spirit. What does it mean? This isn't a deep theological book, although it's saturated with Scripture, but this book is, is very well written. Um, I, if you listen to the Audible version, how many Audible friends we got out there? Anybody? Okay, that's taken. It's very well narrated. How many know that's important? How many of y'all had to, uh, am I the only one that has to close a book if there's a poor narrator? Just can't do it. I don't care how booked it is. If they're annoying, I just got to stop it and get a different one. Very well narrated, but this, the, the, the content of this book is wonderful. I can't recommend it enough. It just, it just really opens up at an entry level and a biblically-based um, teaching and, and testimony, really, of life with the Holy Spirit. So let me encourage you to read that this morning. Because as he says, Pastor Robert Morris, in this book, many times the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap because of church people. Listen. He says it very candidly, a lot of weird things that happen under the name of the Holy Spirit are just from weird people <laughs> that would be weird with or without the Holy Spirit. That's just the way they are. There's a lot of con men. There's a lot of crooks. And guess what? In the church world, yes, there's a lot of con men and a lot of crooks in any business. Don't let that discourage you. Don't, you have to understand that the Lord gets a bad rap, uh, unfortunately, because of us. And so you have to educate yourself on what is right. Amen. So let's go to your Bibles in Psalm 42. I'm not going to have you stand today because we're going to be kind of just bouncing around in this chapter and in another chapter. So go to Psalms 42. Um, 
this, this message that was supposed to be preached today, as we were planning this out a while back, was supposed to be a different topic. And just um, within the last week, uh, the, the Lord really arrested my heart with this idea, and I, I ran it through Pastor before he left to make sure that it would, it would flow with the rest of things, and he said, go for it. And so I'm, I'm going to go forward with what the Lord has given me to share with you this morning, and my, my prayer is that it's an encouragement. My prayer that is that it, it, is just, it is just a refreshment to you. My prayer is that it would just encourage you and, and help you go in your journey. Go to Psalm chapter 42. And in my opinion, this is one of the most poetically, beautifully written psalms in Scripture. I've come to it many times for comfort. There's even, we used to sing songs about it back in the day. Very familiar passage of Scripture. But I want to show you something that, I believe, that I've never seen for the first time. Maybe more spiritual seasoned saints have seen it. But I've never seen something in this context I want to share with you. So let's begin reading in verse 1. We're going to bounce around. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts, everybody say thirst, for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. Some might say, remember in those good old days. With the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? I will say to the God, my God, my rock, have you forgotten me? Skip down to verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? And we're going to kind of pause that in the middle. This stanza, if you want to call it that, appears several times in the chapters 42 and 43. This is believed to be one solid psalm, but it was broken up. We're going to talk about this in a minute. So this morning, what the word of the Lord gave to me to share with you this morning is there's more in the middle. There's more in the middle. So I begin to think about being in the middle. Being in the middle is not always fun. How many can testify to that? How many middle children do we have here? All right. <laughs> My brother always used to tell me when we, were, when we would get into it, he would always say, I was the baby till you came along. <laughs> That's what we do. We foil the plans as the youngest child, in case you didn't know why I said that. Yeah. Being in the middle is not always fun. Before I hit my growth spurt, I was a small child, and I was always the one in the middle. And if you had two older brothers, you were the thing being tossed over the other kid in the middle. Yes, that is right. I was the ball that, I was the monkey in the middle to my cousin, but I was the ball being thrown over my cousin. True story. And then one of them forgot to catch me, and I hit the ground. I'll never forget that. (laughs) Oh, I got some stories. If you were at pastor's birthday party, you heard some good ones. I don't have time to go into those today, but being in the middle is not always fun. One thing I used to hate, and if you ask my mom, she will agree to that, and I still hate it. If you ask my wife, she will agree to that, is shopping for clothes. My Lord in heaven. Now listen, I enjoy a new outfit, new pair of shoes. Who doesn't? But I hate the process because you have to go and look at every single piece of clothing on that rack. Right, Mom? And then when you get it, you have to have an arm full of clothes and you have to go to the dressing room, fitting room, because my wife has a rule. If she goes shopping with me, I have to try everything on. So I go shopping without her. And I bring everything home. And it don't fit right and it don't look right and I got to take it back every single time. And she said, now was that worth it? I said, no, but I hate trying stuff on. 
Because stuff never really fit because I was always in between two sizes. Something was either a little too big. Something was either a little too small. Even the Huskies didn't fit all right all the time. Praise God for the Huskies sometimes. Now that I'm in my 40s, I kind of feel like I'm in the junior high of life. Do you remember those days how everything's just awkward and weird and you don't like anybody and you think nobody likes you? <laughs> That's what happens. You know, you're a little too old to identify with the younger crowd. They got the lingo. It's all changed. You feel kind of out of place and you just kind of walk up and you're like, everybody gets quiet and looks at you. Just want to walk back away. And let the... Then you go to the older crowd and you don't have enough prescriptions to be in the club and you're like... I just kind of don't fit, you know, and even and, and coincidentally in the year that I was born, we, we kind of are in, we're called a micro generation. We're kind of in between the Xers and the millennial. We've been given a title, the Oregon Trail generation. True story. Look it up. The Zennial couple of year gap there that you just kind of don't identify there's things and you know that it, being in the middle is not always fun, right? Being in the middle of a journey is when you're oftentimes tempted to give up. Being in the middle of a project when you tear this engine apart and you can't find the problem and you got to look at all these parts, it's not fun. One thing did come to mind that was good in the middle was being the youngest child, I would go to the store with my mama. I feel like we were at the store all the time, but that's where we were at. My mama was an A&P shopper. Then it became Farmer Jack. And I, I, and I was remember being a little boy, 8, 9, 10, 15. My mom would have to talk with me in the parking lot. Hold my hand in this parking lot. And she'd look at me. Now, you better not act up in that store, and you better not ask me for nothing. Do you hear me? Yes, mom. Do you hear me? My mom was always like, yes, mom, can't you hear me? Yes. <laughs> and so we go to the store, and I swear that term long arm of the, of, the, of the law was because someone had a mama like mine. I could be in the cereal aisle, mouthing off to my mom in the yogurt aisle, and then pow, just out of nowhere would come to his hand. But I knew that if I was good and I bit my tongue and I didn't bug her and I just walked and, and was, I remember, I, I knew that I would be in for a treat. And that last aisle we went down because mama had to go down every aisle, Lord bless her. And we would go to the, to the bakery section. I can still smell it to this day. We'd walk up to that counter that had glass doors and you would open them up and inside were the golden donuts. And my mama say, honey, you've been good at the store. What kind of donut do you want? I say, mama, you already know. And she would take those tongs and she would get me what used to be called the Long John Donut. I mean, y'all remember that. I don't know if they're still called that or still around, but it's these rectangular things made of manna from heaven. And they got chocolate, an inch thick of chocolate, I'm making y'all hungry right now, on top of it. And if you break that thing open, what was in the middle? Some Bavarian cream, some custard, whatever you want to call it. That's the only thing I could think of that the middle is good. But how many can testify that life is not made of donuts? I wish it were, but it's not. And so we're going to go back to this scripture right here. The Lord brought to my attention in verse 5. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Have you ever had those moments when you just said, why? Have you ever had those seasons when you cry out to the Lord and say, why? Moments when something doesn't make sense. Notice when things just don't add up. The more I think about it, the more I pray on it. I want to speak to that this morning. I believe that question can be asked in two ways, and here we go. The first thing is, when you don't know why these things happen, maybe you have a sickness, maybe you have an illness, maybe a death of a loved one that came out of nowhere, maybe a loss of a business, a, a bankruptcy, a, a marriage failure, or I, the list can go on and on, and you think, God, why did this thing come? Why did this happen? I did this, and I was this way, and I, I gave, and I was obedient, I did everything I knew to do, but why did this happen? The other category can come to those that 
have asked why you just don't even have that. You have no reason at all. But you just feel this inner sense of hopelessness, of loneliness, of loss and depression and grief. And you just think, God, why is my soul downcast? I don't have a reason. I don't know why. But I know something just isn't right. Am I talking to anybody in this place today? I found this research from Boston University School of Public Health in 2021. They said that the, the, the rates of depression have persisted and elevated up to 32.8%. That is one in every three American adults over the last two years has ramped up. I was doing the math. I was counting our, our seats here in the sanctuary are six to seven to a row. If that row were filled, that means statistically speaking, two people in that row have been dealing with some sort of depression or anxiety. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand, but I know everybody I talk to can identify with that statement. It's those moments when you say, God, why? God, when? God, where? I don't know why. I don't have a reason. Let me tell you, if that's you in this place, you're in the right place. If that's you watching from home, maybe you're at home because you're in one of those seasons and you physically can't get to the building. Let me tell you that you're here in the right place, hearing the right message. Open your ears because God has something for you. Amen. I don't pretend to know why these things happen. I'm not going to stand up here and just tell you to pray through, brother. There's an element of truth to that, yes, but I'm just going to tell you, the Bible says to weep with those who weep, to mourn with those who mourn. But the Bible also tells us there is a sweet balm of Gilead that can heal the nations, that can heal the wounded. And I'm here to tell you about that this morning. I mean, these are the two things I do know. Number one, Scripture tells us that the sun shines on the just and it shines on the unjust. And it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. In case you haven't realized, like I said earlier, we're in a broken world. We're in a fallen world. God did not design it this way. God, yes, sent forth his son to forgive us and to change us. But see, God is not the tyrant that people accuse him of. He is in heaven sitting in his throne, weeping over the very creation he made because he gave them the most precious gift of all, free will. And because he released his tyrannical control and gave us free will, we've been boneheads with that power. Can I just say it like that? It's like when you leave your kids at home and, and, and you, you leave them and, and you're going for a trip and you say, while we're gone, no parties, no gatherings, don't burn the house down. And then you go and they don't follow your instructions and you come back to find out there was a party and the house is burned down. Why would I get upset at myself? I gave them the power to make the best choices. I know this isn't popular, and I know some people might be mad at me right now, but we have the power of free will. Why is it that when we make bad choices, we want to accuse God? Don't buy that lie, because the enemy wants you to get mad at God. But he is the only one that can help. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me keep going. Number two, this only the thing I know. We were never meant to live life apart from God. You were never designed to live away from God. You were never designed to live away from God. When Adam was created in the garden, we know Genesis, we know the scripture. The Bible says that God would come at the cool of the day and hang out in the evening and talk to Adam. Adam had creation. He named the animals. He, he had, uh, you know how you have a favorite pet? You just, you, you play with them. You, you love them. You treat them like one of the family. I have no reason to believe Adam wasn't like that in the garden. He got close enough to name these animals. I, he, he had a, a great community there. In fact, God even gave him the specimen, Eve. Like John Hagee used to always say, when his eyes opened from being put to sleep, he saw that beautiful creation and said, whoa, man, 
They were living in the garden, just them two, and they would come at the evening and fellowship with God. And the moment that they sinned, the Bible says their eyes were open and they hid themselves from God. And God came, you know the story, and God came saying, Adam, where are you? You were never designed to live away from God. When the rain comes, you need a shelter. When the storm comes, you need a shelter. When the blazing, scorching, hot sun comes, you need a shelter. And when you are out in the elements by yourself, you're going to reap the consequences of that alone. But I'm here to tell you some good news. You're not alone. In fact, when you study scripture, you find, you find that, that uh, the Bible says that in creation, we can see the handiwork of God. I love that. I love looking at the sky. I love nature. I, 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 just, I love, I love the hearing the birds chirp. I love, I love hearing uh, just nature being in that. It's so, it's so powerful. And let me just share something with you. One of my favorite scriptures in, is this in Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I love that. I love that. The Bible talks about the heavens declaring his handiwork all through Psalms. It talks about the creation worshiping and praising and, 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 and things like that. We see it in our songs, How Great Thou Art. That song was written by a man who was in the woods in a thunderstorm when he said, I can hear the rolling thunder. We talk about songs of the great anthem, Shout to the Lord. All the earth, let us sing the mountains, the waves, all these things. Maybe if, if you remember from the days of revival, you remember the creation calls. How can I say there is no God when all around creation calls? I believe. A few years ago, my wife bought me a telescope, a real nice one to gain as a hobby. And, and, and I've been able to enjoy that and, and, and be able to see things from a backyard. And, and I, my eyes have been opened even more so to the things of the heavens, how they are testified to the greatness and the awesomeness of our God. I was reminded this week of, you know, you look at the moon and the sun and the, and the earth and these I know there's some different viewpoints even on that. But, I mean, just for the sake of argument, we can at least agree they're round, right? Okay. <laughs> Whether they're solid, flat, dip, okay, I'm not here to speak to that. They're round. I can, uh, I, from my backyard, I can tell you it's round. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we, we can agree that these things, you would think, go in, in a spherical rotation. Let me just, re I forgot this. Maybe y'all didn't. But let me remind you back in seventh grade science class, when you learned that the orbit of the moon around the earth is not a circle, but it's an elliptical shape. It's a bit of an oblong, if you will. It's, it's, it's a different weird shape. But it, what that creates is it creates two words that maybe you remember. Because as soon as I was reminded of these words, I remembered study for them in, in class. Perigee and apogee. How many remember those words? Remember those terms? I wasn't the only one that didn't pay attention in school. All right. What this is, and I think we have a picture of it coming up here. Uh, yeah, it's a crude drawing, but you can see as that moon goes around the earth, there are moments in that rotation that the moon is very close, and there are times when that moon is very far away. Can I tell you just very simply, that's how our walk with God can seemingly be, amen? Sometimes you feel like you're so close to God, you're going to be raptured up to his presence like Enoch, or as my dad used to say, charge hell with a water pistol. You're ready to go. you got those moments when you just feel chill bumps on chill bumps, and you just, whoo, back in the day. People would get up and run around the, the church. We used to do that stuff. Then you have those moments when you're so far away from God. You're like, hello, 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 hello. Anybody hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me? One is the loneliest number. That's how your walk with God can be sometimes. If you feel that way, you're in the right place. 
Getting back to our psalm, listen, this was brought to us by the family of Korah. This psalm is called a maskil. A maskil simply means a poem of insight. You see, the Korah, family of Korah was the chief musician family in, in Israel. And they were held captive by a, another land far, far away. They were held captive, remembering the goodness of the assembly. They, if, you remember, if you read in, in detail, he said that they, they remember going to the assembly with one another. They remember the ministry they enjoyed, the blessing they enjoyed. How many remember being in quarantine during 2020, and you remember the church you used to enjoy, the holiday gatherings you used to enjoy? How many can remember feeling just isolated and left alone, and just you feel like unsupported, and maybe you had to skip some, some family get-togethers? We weren't able to have church here. That's a very real thing, and that's what they were experiencing. All the while, their captives were saying, where is your God now? Jesus was even said, told the same thing while he was on the cross. He saved others, let him save himself. How many knows that it's in these moments, and we're kind of experiencing that even now, where people want to just challenge the authority of God, challenge the love of God, challenge the grace of God. Have you ever had your kid who is a quarter of your age try to tell you you're wrong on something that they don't even know about? That's what God feels right now. We come up to God with all of our wisdom and knowledge of our whatever years on this planet to the infinite creator of time, and we're going to tell him how he's wrong about... Please, I'm sorry. I'm a little thin today on some grace, if y'all don't know. Been a rough week. Let me just tell you, we're on a journey. We know that. When you're on a journey, when you're on a survival situation, there's four things you need to look for. You need to find food, if you can find it, shelter, fire, and water. Those are the four basic things you need to find. If you used to watch Man vs. Wild, remember Bear Grylls? He would be dropped off into this crazy place. I used to love that show. And he would survive for a few days and show you some tips of what to do. He was a dude that ate the big worms, got on the, the uh, dead camel to protect from the wind. He all kind of stuff. I think I might just die. <laughs> Lord, come take me. <laughs> I'm not getting in that camel. But there's a lot to be learned there. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. The psalmist is painting a picture of desperation between the deer and the water. But listen, it's more prophetic than that. Because when you're in a survival situation, you technically can get away without having shelter. It may be unsafe, but you will exist. You might want a fire, but you can forgo that. You might even want some food, but you know, you can go a little long without food. But there's one thing out of those four that you can't go without for very long at all, and that's That's right. That's water. And I love this because this water, this deer was more than just a pretty song, more than just a pretty thought. It was an insight, a poem of insight. And he was saying that this types and shadows that are all through the Old Testament, I love this, that the water is symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit. The moving of the Holy Spirit. There is something powerful about water. Think about it. When you're out working in a hard, sunny, hot day, you just want a big glass of cold water. It refreshes you. Just think about it. When you want to go jump into the pool in the hot weather, it just refreshes you. Think about it. You always want to go by the water to just hang out. You want to go, if you can't get a boat, you just want to sit at the shore. Or maybe just kind of dabble. There's just something powerful about water. There's just something refreshing about water. There's something rejuvenating about water. There's something life-sustaining about water. In Acts chapter 3, Peter says, repent so that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. 
When we are dry and we are thirsty, we need a refreshing touch of the Spirit of God. We see in Genesis that the Bible says the earth was formless and void and had nothing going good for it. Did I just describe your life? Did I just describe a season that you might be in? There's good news because as the scripture says, the spirit of God was hovering over those water, just waiting for the command of the father. So is the spirit of God hovering over your circumstance right now. You may not feel it. You may not see it. You may not think it, but let me tell you, you are not forgotten. You are not forsaken. The spirit of God is hovering over your circumstance right there, right then, right now. So we're going to talk about the source of water. I got just a couple things I'm going to give you real quick. Number one is you got to find a good source. You got to find a good water source. The song, going back to the Psalms, if you still have your Bibles open, he says, uh, I believe it's first five, hope in God. Hope in God. Somebody say hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon and from the hill of Mizar. Those might just be locations to you and me, but let me tell you something. I looked it up. Let me tell you something. The reason why he said, I remember you from the land of Jordan. Do you know what's in the land of Jordan? Something called the Dead Sea. And did you know that that is the lowest point of the earth under sea level? It is the lowest point. I looked it up. The Mount of Hermon is the highest part of Israel. And so he's literally saying, if I'm on the mountaintop, I will rejoice. If I'm in the valley low, I will remember the goodness of the Lord. As number seven, as deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfall, all the way, all your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the nighttime, his song shall be with me. I put moon in parentheses in that little part to remind me of the promise of the dark that there's still light. A prayer to God of my life. Let me, first of all, I'm going to tell you, you got to find a good source. You got to find a good water source. Can I just exhort you for a moment? The Bible says to taste and see that the Lord is good. I can promise you in the morning, he's good. In the daytime, he's good. In the nighttime, he's good. In the feast, he's good. In the famine, he's good. In the heartache, he's good. Amen. Go ahead. Praise him. Sometimes the words have been lost in translation. Anytime you read the word well or water, it can mean several different things. It's one of those original word languages that there's a few of them. There's a few of wine is another one. There's a few that have multiple meanings and so therefore can cause debate. But let me tell you this, that, that well can be translated well, cistern, pits, or natural spring. Let me just tell you that wells can dry up, especially if they're not very deep. Shallow. In heat, they dry up. A cistern has a limited supply. But let me tell you something, a natural spring doesn't run out. Growing up, I've, I've often referred to my family and brought up in, in West Virginia, and we would go down there. That's where my, my parents, my dad's from, and my whole dad's side. Um, I remember a story going down there. I loved it. It was like another world to us up here in the city. We'd go down there, and it was just, there was copperheads and all kind of just animals everywhere. It was fun, dangerous, but fun. <laughs> it really was. And, uh, I, one of the gentlemen we prayed for this morning was Ralph Manning. He's actually a cousin. Um, they live in Florida now, him and Pam. Uh, watch every week, just about every week, and comment and, and things. And Ralph, if you're watching, I don't know if you remember this, but I was just a wee lad. And we went down there, and he had a whole, he had a pickup truck full of empty jug bottles. He goes, we're going to get some water, boy. And I was like, okay, where? Walmart? Kroger? A&P? Get a donut? He's like, no, we're going to go down. I'm going to show you how to get real water. So we drove for three days, it felt like, in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't even a road. He was just, hey, this looks like a good spot. 
put the four-wheel drive on. And we drove and drove and drove and drove to the bottom of a mountain. And we got out of that truck and I heard something. I heard a noise in the distance. And he said, boy, grab some jugs. And we grabbed all as many jugs as we could hold. And we came and at the base of this mountain was a pipe about a three inch in diameter. And out of this pipe came gushing the most powerful, most refreshing, the coldest, clearest water you ever drink. He said, I get you a big drink. I said, I am not drinking out of a mountain. He said, boy, it's a long way home. You're going to get thirsty. I'm not stopping at the IGA. IGA is what they shopped down there back in those days. So I did. I got my little cup and I had to hold it with two hands because the water was gushing out. And I took a drink out of that and my eyes lit up. It was the coldest, purest, best taste of water ever. I drank as much as I could hold. Let me tell you, that is the exact source that Jesus said in John chapter four when he said that I will give you gushing waters that will not dry up, that will not cause you to thirst again. It will quench your thirst. Amen. That's why I want to encourage you this morning. During these times of confusion, during these times of mystery, we sing about it today. You can raise a hallelujah in times of mystery because heaven comes to fight for you. Second thing is that you may find water, but is it good to drink? Listen, the only thing worse than finding no water in a survival situation is finding bad water and thinking it's good. Let that sink in just for a moment. It takes an expert, someone to know what they're looking for, to see if this water is good. And this is what I'm talking about. In 1 Corinthians six twelve, Paul says this. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable for me. In verse 7 of this psalm, he said, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfall. Can you hear with the ears of the Spirit? Can you hear the noise of the waterfall? You see, an expert can go to that water, and it may look good to me and you. It may smell good to me and you, but he knows certain things to look for to know if that water is poisoned or not. During the show I was talking about in Bear Grylls, in his survival show, he came across some water a lot of times. And he would point out little things that no one would ever look for to see if I drank this water. He said it would, it would make me very, very sick and in a survival situation, maybe even unto death if I couldn't get the proper nourishment. Can I tell you, we are always thirsty and hungry after things, but what we desire will determine what we consume and what we consume will determine if we are satisfied. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they shall be filled. Now my Bible doesn't say that. It says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Listen, there are many things we can drink today. There are many things that we can go to quench our thirst. And not all of them are in a bottle or in a wrapper. There are some things that that are intangible. But listen, they may be interesting. They may be fascinating. But are they nourishing? Are they taking time away from you spending with the Lord? Are they robbing you of your devotion time in the word of God? Are they robbing you from private worship at home just because it's a source it's fascinating it's interesting it's intriguing you is it nourishing all things are lawful for me but are they profitable it's a little hard to get into the presence of the lord when i got the noise of contaminated water in the back of my mind as deep calls unto deep that there, there, there's a lot to unpack in that passage i'm going to keep going I love this in Titus 3.9. He says, but avoid foolish dis- disputes. Avoid a foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law. 
for they are unprofitable and useless. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Amen, let's keep going. So when you find that source, you have to connect to that source. You have to, you need a mechanism. You need what we're gonna call a well. You need a mechanism. It's one thing when, when, and I believe there's so many of us in this moment, we're worn from life, we're worn down from the battles of life, and, and we're worn down from the things that has been happening the last couple of years, and we're on the brink of, of, of heat stroke, and we're, we're working, we're toiling, we, we, we're thirsty, we're dry, we're, we're going to fall apart. Here's what's so powerful about that. We can go to a source of water that is good nourishment. We can even get close to it and just admire how pretty it is. We can echo, echo down the well and play with it. We can even put a chair next to it and dip our toes in it. But if you don't eventually connect to that well, in just a matter of days, you will die. Inches away from the thing that will sustain your life. Let me encourage you this morning, in those trials, dig yourself a well. Right where you are, dig yourself a well. Listen, digging a well is not easy. It's not fun. I looked it up. They have to be at a minimum 100 feet. At a minimum 100 feet. Preferably closer to 500 feet if, you, if it needs to be a large supply. It's hard planting some hosta plants in the backyard that go six to eight inches deep. You want me to dig 100 feet? Yeah. If you want to live, if your life depended on it, you would dig 100 feet, crying, mumbling all the way, but you and I, we would do it, right? Amen? Let me, let me go a step further with that. Yes, we need to make place, we need to make a well in our lives, but let me encourage you to make a physical well. Make a place that you can go to and connect with God. If it's a, a spare bedroom, if it's a spare closet, if, it, if it's a place outside, if it's a place in the yard, if it's a place down the street, find a place that you can go without distraction and you can get in your well because you're going to need it. Find a place that you can dig a well. There's a scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Maybe you've heard this guy's name, Obed-Edom. Making room for God gives you a blessing. This man... David was bringing the, the Ark of the Covenant back. You all know the story. It was on a cart, and it fell, and a dude grabbed it to steady it, and he died. Remember that story? And the Bible says that he stopped, and he just shoved the thing in Obed-Edom. Could you imagine? That all sounds spiritual, but could you imagine if someone knocks on the door? Hey, uh, yeah, this box just killed somebody. We want to put it in your house. <laughs> put it right there in the living room. I don't think so, Jack. But there was something in Obed-Edom's heart that allowed it to come in. And I know it was an inconvenience to have this thing in the middle of his house because the houses weren't that big in those days, y'all. He had it in the middle of his house. He had to learn a different way to travel through the house because it was in the way. I'm sure he had to watch how he, he understood that represented the presence of God. So maybe he had to change the way he was talking in his house. Maybe he had to change the way he was thinking in his house. He might've had to change. I understand it was an inconvenience, but the Bible said his house and his household was blessed for that entire period of time. There's a blessing in it, amen? Number three, the next thing is when you find that connection, you dig it, but you have to care for it. Now, this can be harder sometimes than digging the well. A couple of, uh, last year, I was able to deliver the Father's Day message, and I referenced my, my father, or my grandfather, Peg Markham. If you, haven't, if you weren't there and you want to see that message, it's on our YouTube channel. And I was, went down south and, um, to my one uncle's funeral a couple summers ago and found out some wonderful things about my grandfather, and I relayed them on that Father's Day message. And while we were down there on this trip, uh, one, my Uncle Bobby, shout out to him if he's watching today, um, 
took us on a trip to see the old homestead that my dad and all 12 of all 12 brothers and sisters and parents 14 grew up in his little house yes down the holler we call it and he took us down there and, and he showed us and, and and i got some pictures that of just my fingertip and i'm looking at him the other day like what what was that what was i pointing at and i had to remember these were the places where the home used to sat but it was gone it's been i don't know 70 80 years since then and I looked over to the side. There was some bricks, and there was seemingly some kind of structure. I said, Uncle Bobby, what's that? He said, oh, let me show you. Let me show you a picture. As soon as I saw it, the Lord said, take a picture. This is the well that my grandfather dug 80 years ago. That my father and his house, this was the well. The house was gone. But as you could see from the side of the road, you saw some bricks, and you saw this well was still standing and the closer you get, had bricks around it, had a structure around it. Let me tell you something. When you find that connection, you've got to make it strong. Jude says, build yourself up in the love of God. You have to t- it's not just some hole in the ground. It's not just something we do on Sunday. It's not just something we do a couple of nights through the week, maybe a life group. It's not just some casual thing. Like I said earlier, I believe this with all my heart. And I know some people may disagree with me, but I believe we're in a place where the true Christians are being accounted for. And Jesus is saying that those that are going to stand by my word are those that I'm calling. The Bible does talk about a great falling away. I know there's a lot of pressure from culture. There's a lot of pressure from customs. There's a lot of pressure from society. But let me tell you, the word of God has withstand more pressures than America. America, the word of God is will stand. Amen. When you get that connection, you got to care for that connection. Did you know if you have one of these kind of wells, you have to examine the water once a year to see if it has any extra uh, high, too high counts of minerals and bacteria, things like that. You know, apostle Paul tells us in second Corinthians, examine yourself just to see if you're going to be in the faith. How many know you got to do that sometime? How many know that you got to take a minute and you say, examine myself to see Am I still in the faith? You can still come to church even being involved on a ministry team. Are you still in the faith? Yeah, I know the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but he said, not everybody that calls me Lord will get into heaven. I said that a little fast, didn't I? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but not everybody that calls me Lord, Lord will enter into heaven. There's, that's what I'm talking about, church. Make sure you're following the word of God. Make sure you're following the word of God. Make sure you're getting into the presence of of the Lord. Make sure you're getting into the source of the water, of the good water, of the deep water, of the water that flows, the water that quenches, the water that satisfies the good water. Number two, the second thing is that on that point, you have to protect your well. There's a fascinating story in Genesis chapter 26. I don't have time to go there, but I think it might be up on the screen. I'm just going to tell you really quick. Abraham dug a well. Great father Abraham dug a well. Abimelech tried to take that well, and there was some contention. Abraham won. Generations later, you see in chapter 26 that the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father dug with dirt and were trying to run Jacob out of town. When you stand up for the word of the Lord, you're going to get run out of town. When you try to stand up for the word of the Lord, the devil's going to try to come at you and put dirt in your well. When you go through that hard time, he's going to try to put dirt in your well. He's going to try to put some discouragement in your well. He's going to try to put some doubt in your well. He's going to try to put some depression and loneliness in your well. But let me encourage you. Jacob had a choice to make. He could have pouted and said, fine, I'm going to go. The Bible says no. The Bible says that Jacob dug again the wells of his father, Abraham. There comes a time, church, when we got to dig the wells of our fathers. We've got to redig the wells. And fathers, let me speak to you. 
Just as that well I just showed you is still standing, your legacy and the way you lead your family, the way you live your family, will it outlast you? I've come to the place in my life that I see that my most important thing is to see my kids go further and stronger and way past anything I could ever hope or dream. Because this well is not just for you. What did he say in Acts Peter stood up and said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You, you, your sons and your daughters. I can't wait to that day when my sons and my daughters and my grandsons and my granddaughters are leading the church and paving the way. I'm going to be the loudest amen they've ever heard. I'm gonna, I don't care what they're wearing. I'm going to say, yeah, preach it. Yeah, worship. Yeah, whatever you got to do. Because that's what makes it. That's what's going to make him make it. Let's keep going. Sometimes that well gets dry. I began to look up, what are some symptoms of a dry well? Listen to this. Your faucets are sputtering. You have nothing to give. You don't have anything to give. Or in fact, if you do, the water is muddy. Can I tell you, sometimes we, all that's coming out of us is muddiness. Strife, contention, bitterness, complaining, whining. Your well's well's dried up. I'm just going to tell you right now. Nobody wants to be around that. Nobody wants to, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to save you, all right? Maybe that's the father in me coming out. But the Bible says if you want to fr- have friends, you've got to be friendly. My mama used to say, you catch more, more, more flies with honey than vinegar, son. They just need to know. Well, let the Lord tell them. You know what I'm saying? Let's keep going. Let's keep going. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a long time to pump. Wonder why we can't connect and worship. Your well's dry. I don't have 40 minutes anymore to lead you into worship. We, we, you know, we, we got we to gotta get going. Come on, be here at 1030. That's when we start. <laughs> and help me work. That means you got to dig it home. Dig it home. Pump it home. And when you come here, I can't pump you. You got to pump it home. Come on, let's keep going. All right, let's keep going. Last one. <laughs> Last one. Uh, tell you what, let's go ahead and stand to our feet because I know I'll finish that way. Worship team, go ahead and come. And um, I just want to end with this. Listen, the Lord, the Lord showed me something here in John chapter 4. The last thing is you can't worship the connection. What does that got to do? That has everything to do with what I'm talking about. I want to uplift you. I want to strengthen you. But listen, you can't worship the connection. The source of your spiritual life never has been the well, the connection. It's the source that connects you, the running water in the, in the, below the surface or in the mountain. Let me, I got scripture for that. Let me show you. John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Jesus, we very familiar with that scripture. Jesus talks to her and first thing she throws up, oh, I know about this well. Our, our father uh, Jacob gave us this well and it became a badge. Sometimes our experiences with God become a badge of identity. Oh, I'm of this. Especially, I remember being in the, in the, the days of the revival. I'm of this, I'm of Brownsville, I'm of Toronto, I'm of, of the Welsh, I'm of Hillsong, I'm of the, and we, we do that even today. What version Bible you, you got? What, 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 you wearing a tie, you're not wearing a tie? I almost wore a tie today and decided not to. Forgive me if that offends you, but we can make an identity out of anything. Here's what I'm getting at. I found it fascinating that she threw that up right away. This is my badge. Yeah, I experienced God 20 years ago. She had no identity to that well or her father Jacob, but she knew what to say. Here's what, here's what got me. He says, give me something to drink. She said, you don't have anything to get. He said, because I'm the source. He said, you don't have it. She said, this well's deep and you don't have anything to get it with. He said, I, <laughs> I'm not worshiping a bucket that happened 30 years ago. Our buckets leak. 
the ropes get deteriorated. He said, I can't pour new wine into old wineskins lest they burst. And sometimes we get hold on to, I do things this way, I did things that way, and, and the Lord moved a certain way. Yes, I thank God for that. But let me tell you, have you not read, I do a new thing, says the Lord, across the earth. You can't worship that or you're going to miss out. Listen, a religious experience will only last so long and it becomes a symbol rather than a source. In Numbers 21, the Lord had a plague that broke out. Serpents were devouring the children of Israel. Moses interceded and said, help us. And he said, take a serpent, put it on a pole, raise it on the mountain. And when everybody looks, they're going to be healed. And that's what happened. Powerful move of God. Well, if you read books later in second kings you find out that the children of israel worship this thing right next to the tower of 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 uh, not the tower but the, the the ashram poles and the false gods and they had to destroy those they begin to worship the movement of god instead of worshiping the god they begin to worship the connection instead of worshiping who they're connected to and they missed out they missed out so this is what we're going to do altar team can i call you up and and we're going to dismiss and just for a moment but i believe there's some folks that need some prayer this morning maybe your well is running dry maybe 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 you feel like the enemy's trying to put some dirt in it oh i got one last thing i want to tell you this is the source at the end of that chapter he said hope in god for i shall yet praise him the help of my of my countenance my god going back to the thing with the moon the last illustration One of the things I love to gaze at is a big, beautiful full moon. I think we have a picture of that. Big, beautiful full moon. Did you know? I didn't know this. Maybe you knew this. If you didn't know perigee and apogee, you probably don't know this either. I didn't know this. That that big, beautiful moon that you're staring at, I thought it was because it was closest to the sun. It's the dead opposite of the sun. Did you hear what I said? The psalmist of this psalm was taken from a faraway land. There's just something about the saints of God that they may feel far away from God. And the Bible says, when you've done all you know to do, just stand. Just like that moon has gone the furthest away it can from its source. It doesn't toil. It doesn't spin. It doesn't fret. It doesn't worry. It just stands. And it is filled with the glory of God that all can see in the middle of the night. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence his promises and all people and you can watch one of our services that way as well so god bless you i pray god's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week amen